Hi, my name is Bridget Richardson. I'm the Assistant Director of Ecumenical and Pastoral Initiatives at the Nesty Center for Faith and Culture at University of St. Thomas in Houston. And I'm here again with Dr. Don Froelich, Professor of Biology at UST and Father Nesty, our founder at the Nesty Center for Faith and Culture. So thank you both again for joining me today. Thank you, good morning. Thank you, good morning, Bridget. Yes, and today, now, what's our question? What's our focus? Today, our focus is Laudato Si. It came out May 2015, and you know, with the pandemic that's going on right now, it's a wonderful time to reflect on that encyclical from Pope Francis and talk about how we spiritually are engaging with nature and our environment, and also how the pandemic might be affecting not only our mindset, but even the way that we're interacting with our environment around us. Good. Yeah, we can well, go ahead. Let, let me, uh, before we get into that, let me just put uh, Laudato Si in a kind of context for us so that we understand uh, why it's receiving such a laudatory uh, praise from so many people. And then on the other hand, it's being attacked as something that the church should be really addressing. Okay, uh, social teaching in the church really came alive with uh, Pope Leo XIII in the last decade of the 19th century when he wrote Rerum Novarum. <clears throat> Rerum Novarum was written by the Pope precisely to address social questions uh, that were facing the church at the time. There was so much turmoil, particularly after 1870, uh, when the Pope and the papacy lost the papal states in Italy, and Italy finally became a united country under secularist government, uh, with uh, the King of Savoy taking over. And at that time, the Pope recoiled back into what he called being a prisoner of the Vatican, and popes after that never went out of the Vatican uh, until John the Twenty-Third took his first trip on his on the train. In fact, uh, one of the popes would not even allow a train to be uh, put in the papal states and in the Vatican. And then later on, when one of the popes uh, allowed that to happen, so a lot has happened since that time because the pope was addressing questions of uh, the workplace, labor, uh, unions, the right to uh, unionize, and so forth and so on, and the whole question of uh, private property as related to common property in uh, society. And one of the things uh, that became clear was mm -hmm. that he, he gave testimony about the legitimacy of owning private property, but at the same time, he enunciated the larger principle that private property always had to be seen in the, in, in the light of uh, public property and the common good. Now, in America, you know, the emphasis on private property is at the heart of the Declaration of Independence, which uh, took John uh, Locke's words, uh, the inalienable rights of life, liberty, and property. He called it a state, actually, and not property. And uh, we have pushed that, we put that envelope to the extreme. 
that uh, private property uh, is 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 there. Uh, we become the owners of it, and in, in such a way that we almost become the creators of it. And what has been lost in that dialogue with secularism is the whole uh, notion of God. God has fallen out as a creator and uh, is no longer seen as the ultimate source of all being. And uh, as we've gone along, uh, the whole social, social teaching of the, of the church has, uh, you know, uh, focused on, you know, uh, both the capitalistic system and a communistic system, and where do we stand in, 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 uh, in the context of those two major forces which came in the early part of the 20th century all, all the way up to the fall of the Berlin Wall and where we are today. So here we are with the development of private property and corporations and uh, the need for uh, the fossil fuels, et cetera, et cetera. And people are becoming aware of how this is really polluting this wonderful creation that we live in. Uh, but we don't talk about it as creation. Uh, we don't hear that word very much at all because creation uh, implies that we are only stewards of this wonderful uh, globe of ours. And uh, when you don't relate to creation and you just talk about the environment as it were something uh, that were man-made and man-controlled, uh, then there should be no restrictions on how we do that. Pope John Paul II came along and he started talking about uh, human ecology, human ecology. And he was focusing principally on the family. And that was the reason that people have developed his whole theology of the body and so forth and so on. Benedict came along and he talked about integral ecology. And integral ecology had to do with, uh, you know, the family as a portion of society and the fundamental, uh, fundamental uh, cell of society. Pope Francis comes along and he talks about uh, he talks about uh, maybe I got this wrong, but he he is talking about uh, 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 integral ecology. He's the one who's talking about integral ecology, and what he's talking about there is the necessity of bringing together the political elements, the uh, 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 the economic elements, and and discussions, the social elements. The anthropological elements of our understanding of this world and seeing them all as the beauty of creation. He begins the, the, the encyclical with the first two words, Laudato Si. Laudato Si are the two words of, uh, of St. Francis of Assisi and his uh, canticle of creation. And uh, as you know, Francis of Assisi is the first one to write in the vernacular, namely the Italian and not in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in Latin. And when you go back over that Laudato Si uh, praise of creation, you see that everything is relational. He talks about sister water, sister moon, a, a brother sun, and it's all brothers, sisters, and even, even death uh, that, that he talks about this. So I think the Pope is trying to recapture that sense of the sacredness of uh, a creation and 
the sacramentality of, relation, uh, of, of creation, namely that sacraments affect what they symbolize. And they're affecting here the symbol of God's creative act and ongoing act. And this is why he said we have to work together so much to bring about an integral uh, uh, ecology, as he calls it, and not just focusing on one aspect or another, but bringing systems together. And the systems, therefore, have to uh, be cared for and interfacing with one another and dialoguing with one another in order to face uh, main maintenance of the beauty of creation. All right. So then we take it down and we get in, involved in Dr. Froelich is going to talk about this because we, uh, you know, people are becoming uh, afraid that a certain species of uh, life is, is being threatened. Maybe it's a frog, maybe it's a plant and so forth. And they're watching these, these species uh, die and they want to protect them and themselves. But this also has to be considered in the larger picture once again. And uh, with this you know, basic introduction, I think we should let Dr. Froelich take over and start discussing some of the elements of Laudato Si. Okay? Love it. <laughs> Thanks, Father, for, for your background. Um, I didn't know that about the trains and the papal states. Mm -hmm. um, well, you certainly... I, I did reread in the in the last few days uh, Laudato Si and and in paragraph uh, two forty the Francis is very very clear and states that what we're talking about is a relational universe and it it just occurs to me that that uh, <clears throat> one of the one of the uh, um, areas that most scientists are interested in whether they're studying things in a quantum level whether they're studying artificial intelligence whether they're life scientists and evolutionary biologists like myself um, are, are are complex systems and how do complex systems emerge and so on and so forth and, and as a few seconds ago you made the comment that that we, how do we bring these systems together, a political system, an economic system, in order to maintain the beauty of creation? And, and one of the definitions of an emergent system is number one, it, it, there, are, there are characteristics, let's not call them definitions. Emergent systems have a couple of characteristics, two of which I think are really important. And, um, one of which is they can't be reduced to the smallest part. In other words, you can't take the small parts and predict what's going to come out of it. And when systems come together and a new system is, is created, that system is by definition novel. And I think one of the things that, that certainly, um, at least in my mind, um, I encounter with people when we talk about these topics is people don't like novelty. They don't like things that are unpredictable and, and, and um, that means that there's an element of fear involved. If you look at the word fear, at least in my world, 
the, the word fear stands for false expectations appearing real. Um, and very often in our world, that comes down to two things. What am I going to lose that I have, or what am I going to not get that I want? And once we're on that field, once we're, once, once we're there with those assumptions and those conditions, I, I don't, there's, um, there's really no hope. And, um, and I don't mean no hope in general. I mean, it, it's, it's a non-productive place to start. And, and I think that one of the things that, that, that we really need, um, and I'm out of my field as a biologist, is simply a trust in, in, a trust in, the, in the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the universe, God, that, that, uh, um, that what happens from our efforts in allowing, in allowing, not just not destroying, but an allowing novelty to emerge, allowing creativity to, to continue its path through the universe as a part of it, not separate from it, and not, not controlling it at the same time. Um, it's uh, that spirit of God is both transcendent and eminent. And, and, and until we, we can do that, then I'm not sure our efforts are going to really come to very much. Um, and it's like we talked about last time. Um, it, it, threatens, it threatens status quo. It threatens power. And that's that, that the human concept of power, the human concept of, of, of a non-dynamic status quo, that is the most unnatural thing in the entire universe. That's completely unnatural. Our systems at equilibrium, yes, they are, but that's an equilibrium. They're not dead standing still. And, and that is going to take commitment and action. I mean, I reread yesterday, uh, the last several days, certainly not in one day, I don't read that fast. And plus, I'm used to reading science, which sort of plods along. Um, it, it, it just, I forgot what I was going to say. It just, it really strikes me is that this document is both a document that sets a stage, explains a problem, but it's also, especially the last third of it, is an active. If you even want to use the word activist, and that it is a call to do something, not just to consider. Um, action is a part of contemplation. It's the other side. Um, he even, I, I, I thought it was wonderful. Maybe I was just in the right place when I read in the document that, 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 that a, a contemplative practice as practiced by the mystics um, has not only been lost, but it is mocked. And until we can enter into those grounds, I, I think that there is a, a, a self-inflicted suffering that, that will that will continue. Um, I'm not without hope because nature herself, I, whether, whether you're a, a strict atheist or a strict theist, um, nature herself is incredibly powerful. It, 
God in nature as creativity, the universe will accommodate and will abide. Um, those are my thoughts. So, well, and, and let me just, uh, there's so many points that you made that and tremendously important points. Uh, let me just pick on a couple of them. Uh, one is that nothing is ever static. Everything is in change and in motion and in growth and development. Nothing is static. And you as a scientist know that better than anybody else when you observe all of the empirical data that you are in touch with every day. And that's the beauty of a scientist. The scientist has to cope with this uh, development and change and alternative ways of looking at things and thinking about them. We have not been, uh, we have not developed that dimension uh, in the church. And one of the things that, uh, that I heard recently was a tremendous, uh, 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 did you see the, uh, the uh, documentary on the Vatican on a public radio, on a public television on Channel 8? It was there on Monday evening. I, I highly recommend that you look at it because they take Pope Francis and what he's been doing in the Vatican, etc., particularly in the reform of the Curia and the appointment of new cardinals, uh, one from Pakistan, one from Madagascar, another one from Iraq. And it was showing these uh, three cardinals, uh, the one from Pakistan who was getting measured for his his cassock and so forth and so on. He said, oh my goodness, he said, this is red. He said, uh, I guess I'll wear this one time, but I'll never, red, uh, never wear it again back in Pakistan because we don't wear these kind of vestments. And the criticism of uh, the person who uh, bought this monastery outside of Rome where they are developing a group of people who are opposed to Pope Francis and, 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 and their thinking was that he should not be talking about the environment. He should be talking about the doctrine and the faith. <laughs> well, the doctrine of the faith precisely incorporates social teaching of the church and a social teaching which overflows into the reality of the relation between science and faith. Okay, science and faith. There is no area within human existence that is not touched by some element of the love of, of the faith uh, of the gospel and the God, this God who is love. So we look at that and we go on uh, looking at what he's been doing and uh, the criticism is that he's bringing about change. Well, that's precisely what he's talking about. And in his criticism of appointing, this is, this is my point, in his criticism of appointing cardinals from these little countries that have no experience of the working of the Vatican or the papacy over the centuries, is what he says, it's time for spontaneity. He says he loves spontaneity. He wants to see where the Holy Spirit is going to lead a world church and see how the Holy Spirit will work in the next conclave. Because the, the fear is about the next conclave is that they're going to have all this diversity in there. And these people are coming from different contexts in the world. 
where they're not going to know each other. Well, I think this also applies to the secular world as well. Because as he's talking about bringing these systems together, it's a systemic thing, whether it's economic, political, social, anthropological, etc., to get people and experts from these areas, the scientific, in a discussion about integral ecology of our common home, that's the only way we're going to be able to solve this. Far beyond, far beyond what is capable, what, what the United, United Nations is capable right now. Yeah. And that's why, did you, understand, did you hear that he's putting together this commission of 100 people, experts in all aspects of life, in these areas to come again to, to uh, precisely to, to discuss the ecological integral ecological question and i think it's absolutely amazing wow that's great yes yes and this is really what the papacy is all about if the chair of peter is going to teach the chair of peter has to invite both students and teachers together to pursue the answers of very complex questions. Now, let me throw the ball back to you. As you go through, why did you highlight for us, having reread it again, why did you highlight for us the, 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 the parts of Laudato Si and what the Pope is trying to do in there? Well, yeah, I, I highlighted a lot of things, that's for sure. Um, I'll just read, a, I'll read paragraph. Uh, 240 because it's on my um, because it's on my screen and it's also quite short. The divine persons are subsistent relations in the world created according to the divine model is a web of relationships. Creatures tend toward God and in turn it is proper to every living being to tend toward other things so that throughout the universe we can find any number of constant and secretly interwoven relationships. This leads us not only to marvel at the manifold connections existing among creatures, but also to discover a key to our own fulfillment. The human person grows more, matures more, and is sanctified more to the extent that he or she enters into relationships going out from themselves no. to live in communion with God, with others, and with all creatures. In this way, they make their own, that Trinitarian dynamism, which God imprinted in them when they were created. Everything no. is interconnected, and this invites us to develop a spirituality of that global solidarity which flows from the mystery of the Trinity. Oh, may, may I interrupt you? I yes, interrupt sir. you. Thank you for picking that, pa that, that paragraph. Have you ever heard any pope speak more eloquently about the central mystery of Christianity, which is the Trinity, and take us to a deeper level in it with regard to the extent of the relationships that it implies. I have never heard anything so beautiful in my life. And this is what he's taking. He's taking the, the truth which, they, which people are accusing him of not facing or looking at, 
And he's putting right in front of our face and say, this is the challenge. Are you going to see everything is related? And, of course, this comes from his experience as having been a science teacher and knowing quantum theology or quantum physics. Hey, quantum I like that. Quantum theology, that I love. Yeah. I, I would call it, a, a, hey, that's maybe our new term. Maybe exactly. We, exactly. It's a quantum theology. You know, I, I, that word came out of my mouth by accident, but I think it's the Holy Spirit. I think it is the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh. And, and, and it is so beautiful. Now, to go back to your point you were making before, the contemplative dimension, that statement can only come from somebody who's sitting on the chair of Peter who is deeply contemplative of the reality of existence and the world. He even talks about the development of the human person in there. And Karl Rahner said, in the future, if you are not a mystic, he said that everybody's going to have to be a mystic. And what he meant by that was not some great esoteric experiences of God. He meant precisely to go in depth into the mystery of God himself and God who is the Trinity and God who is love. I mean, that... I, I wish discussion groups would start just with that paragraph and say, what does this imply? And then you and I could, and, Grant, and Bridget could say, well, it, it implies quantum theology. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, where Schrodinger's gospel is both dead and alive simultaneously, depending on whether or not you decide to encounter it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, let, let, let me see. In light of this, in light of this, and and uh, the seriousness with which we have to take uh, human stewardship, human stewardship, because only humans have power. Animals do not have power, as such. Humans have power, which stems from their reason and their will to make things happen. To be powerful is someone who can make something happen. It's as simple as that. So we have this potential now for this power. And as I told you in the last, I think we were the, just at the last moment uh, when they had this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, other documentary on, 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 on the the, the, the uh, um, influence on genes, etc., and what they were doing in China and the scary things that they were doing over there, uh, it, it all points to the fact that you can only have power if you have responsibility. And a tremendous responsibility which, which, which rests with us. But uh, tell me something else about the law of the see Well, I, <clears throat> you... Your discussion, our discussion, has uh, it just it, it it brings up so much. And but what I get out of this again is the uh, it it actually points me to to look at it. It says you need to look at the life of a certain Nazarene carpenter. 
What did he do? Was he active as a teacher with his followers? Yes, he was. But he also went into the desert to pray, to encounter. And he, he was a human. And I, I don't understand all the theological uh, ins and outs and specifics of being both God and human. And that's one of the mysteries. But, but uh, um, he spoke in terms of, of wildflowers and, and birds, yet he, he came back and he, he lived with his people and he lived a simple life with his people. I mean, we talk about reason and we talk about power. Of course, I think somewhere Francis knows absolutely that, that <laughs> he, he's only asking humans to do the most difficult thing possible. And the most difficult thing possible is to change our minds, except maybe exceeded by one thing, and that's to allow our minds to be changed. Uh, and those are the 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 the, the consequences are are enormous. Um, I just finished this uh, yesterday afternoon, and I I just felt I felt like he brought together so much writing by the other popes by guardini who you've made me appreciate and now i see his flow through this thought but you know father it's more than an intellectual exercise the pope is calling us do something i and and so apparently he is i mean he's appointing cardinals from <laughs> and and i love the way this paragraph talks about the secret relationships, the things you don't know that are there. And, and that's how science has unfolded. That's why creation is so awesome. It's not only what we don't know, it's what we don't know that we don't know. Yeah. And it, it's, 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 it's astonishing. Who would ever have thought last month that the, uh, a six-month expedition from pole to pole, involving many ships, not all together, would have reported the discovery of 200,000 new kinds of viruses, just viruses, in the sea. Oh my gosh. It's, it's a relationship, our history, our very being is tied up with all living things. As, and I, I couldn't find it in our short time remaining. I'm sure I can't. But Francis is very clear. There is, we indulge a fragmentation of knowledge. And that reflection is not, it's not true. I'm going to say not accurate. But it's, it's incomplete. It's horribly incomplete. And I think you know, that's why we need to think about quantum theology. Yeah. Very good. Listen, you, you, re you really raise a, a fundamental question. Uh, we Catholics have always championed the fact that we, uh, our lives have two elements of knowledge. One is faith and the other one is reason. And uh, sometimes uh, we have put the faith dimension aside 
in order to enter uh, the arena with uh, other rational thinkers just on the basis of reason. What we really, what he's really doing here is, is an, an amazing reintegration of revelatory knowledge and intellectual knowledge. He's bringing them back together. And ultimately, when you talk about Guardini, Guardini will always tell you that the source of the ultimate truths and meaning is Jesus Christ. Until you go back and you enter into the whole reality of the incarnation where the divine and the human meet, we can't bring the integration of our quantum theology and quantum framework in bringing these elements, social, economic, uh, uh, the, the scientific, etc., together to the table to reunite something which had been terribly fragmented with the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment was a beautiful moment in the expansion of human knowledge, but tremendously affected us because it took God out of the discussion about ultimate meaning. And I think we're at the point now, even with this question of, of contemplation and action, and by the way, the other thing that, it, that occurred to me when you were talking about the, the action is the one liturgical principle that we have. And Bridget, you remember what that is, don't you? Full, <laughs> conscious, active participation <laughs> in worship in life. Not just the, the ritual of the Eucharist. But it becomes the principle, the integrating principle, full, conscious, active participation. And the participation throws you back right into the quantum theological principle of relationships. When we live intentionally to discover the relationality of everything, that is when we are on the road to integral ecology. And that is when we can step out of ourselves and say, this is our common home. And our common home is part of a bigger universe which continues to expand. And where we see constant change, the birth of stars, the death of stars, you know, and the various gases or, or the circles around Saturn or whatever it might be, the, the, then, then it becomes awesome. I like how that you ended that. It becomes awesome because it's true. God and all of his elements. And I love it when Deacon Bob Hesse, he always says that God reveals himself in three ways, scripture, tradition, and nature. And so the discussion of nature, we don't have it as often as we should. So I think this is a beautiful call to action for people to read the document and think about how God is revealing himself through nature to all of us. And, and you know, I really want to thank you, Don, for citing, is it chapter, is it number 44? Uh, 240. Yes. 240. 240, yes. I mean? Uh, paragraph 240. Okay, that's what, everybody should go there and start meditating on that uh, and, and, and see how it's, it's the glue for the whole uh, encyclical.
Yeah. Well, thank you both as always for the discussion. And I'm so excited to rewatch this and think more deeply about it <laughs> because I always get so much energy from, from your discussion and to be a fly on the wall is just such a treat for me. I would encourage those who come to watch this, pick up the encyclical itself. It's very readable. And we'll link it with, our, with the video as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, it's free online. Right, exactly. In many languages. Oh, yeah. I'll, we'll make sure to provide uh, the link directly to the Vatican because that one has everything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. Uh, well, thank you both so much. I so thank enjoy you your, your energy. It's so wonderful. To it's been, it's been great. It's been uplifting and like a, I feel like I've had a great meal again. <laughs> thank you so much. And then Bridget, thank you for setting the table. Abs uh, yes. Yes. And buying the food and everything. <laughs> Bye-bye. You're a great cook, Father. Bye-bye. <laughs>